Hello and good evening. My name is Kyle Eric, and this is A for Abled. So this week's episode, we talked to someone with survivor's guilt. Survivor's guilt is defined as a condition of persistent mental and emotional stress experienced by someone who has survived a incident in which others died. Shout out to my cousin Darlene, who I have the pleasure of uh, interviewing for this episode, as she talks about her experience being a gunshot survivor, a former drug user, and a mother. I'm very thankful that we were able to have this interview on her birthday, and we will definitely have her on again to share more. But in the meantime, let's get to the next episode of A for Abled. All right. Okay. So happy birthday, cuz. Thank you. How you feeling? Not too bad. Not too bad? Yeah. I was worse yesterday, day before, but I feel kind of, I feel pretty good today, actually. Excellent. What were your plans for your birthday? To spend with you and do this documentary. <laughs> Awesome. Awesome. Okay. So the name of the show is called A for Abled, and I created it back in uh, late 2019, mm-hmm. right? Um, so basically, it's just an interview show talking to others with, you know, with disabilities and differences and challenges and stuff about just their lives, mm-hmm. you know, just stuff from their, just stuff from their point of view. So I just want to thank you for coming on the show today. And talking about um, your life, giving your, you know, giving your testimony from your, you know, from your point of view, you know. So anything you don't want to answer, you don't have to. I just have to, you know, keep saying that. Any, anything you don't want to answer, you don't have to. You're not under oath or anything. Okay. Okay? All right. So, thank you again for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. Excellent, excellent. So, uh, for those who don't know, who, um, how would you describe yourself? Loving, caring, honest, um, individual, just loving and caring, really. Nice. And you've been, what you call it, you've been, like, well, let's, let's put it this way. You and I have only known each other for a few years. You're right, since I've moved here. Right, yeah. Like in nineteen. In yeah, in uh late in also late twenty nineteen, and that's when we found out we were related. Right. 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 My so, little cousin's son. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so shout out you know, so shout out to my dad. He yes, also, my baby, my baby. He also did a uh an episode a while back talking about um talking about you know his life and being a dad to a you know to differently abled kid, and also what it's like, um, you know, being a cop, in the, you know in this climate, and it let you know these all my I, I feel like since high school until my adult life the the terms gun reform and you know and um, and gun law have always been in the, you know, have always been in the conversation, especially, especially since uh, we've had so many, 
shootings, whether whether they be every um, day. Exactly. Yeah. There's there's a web there's a web there's a web there's a website that keeps track of all of it, and um, you're probably the first person that I've met that I've met personally who can talk about being a victim of it. So, but before that, you were you know what 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 was your life like? I was healthy. I was energetic. I was always on the go with my aunt. I had moved to my aunt's second floor because she was getting older. And my dream was to take care of her. And in all reality, she ended up taking care of me. And um, it's sad because, you know, these, these, we look at these things like this is the way it was supposed to go, you know. I'm, she's in her 80s now. She has a son. And I was always like her daughter because I was always with her as a child growing up. And my dream was always to, you know, take care of my mom, but definitely help take care of my aunt, mm -hmm. you know, because she didn't have a daughter. And her son was in and out of jail. So I was the closest thing she had. And I, um, at the age of 50, at the age of 50, I moved in her second floor over where I got shot um, to, to be there for her and take care of her. And I'm going to tell you something, Kyle, I enjoyed it because I used to do all the cooking mm -hmm. and her and my cousin would come upstairs and we would eat together. We would just have a really good time. We would, you know, we would put the food together and what I didn't have auntie had what auntie didn't have I had and um it, it was it was beautiful because I used to love to watch my aunt and my cousin eat my cooking because you know I'm a pretty good cook I'm not the best but I'm a pretty good cook and um they were they enjoyed it and I enjoyed doing it for them what was uh, one of your favorite things to cook my fried chicken my fried chicken <laughs> Yeah, my fried chicken, and then I would take the potatoes and cut them up and throw them right in the good hot chicken grease, and mm. they flavored up really good, and yeah. Were you around them when you were younger, like when you were a child? Yes. All my life I was around my aunt. That's my father's sister. Ah. Yeah. So. Yeah. And also, shout out, we're probably going to be shouting out a lot of family members this, this episode. Okay. Because, uh, okay. uh, you know, like, I've, I've, I've had the pleasure of... of talking to you know talking to some of my older relatives and feeling like getting to know them on it on a whole other level it's cute i know you, you know? was you and butchie were too much well yeah because <laughs> like with uncle butchie with uncle butchie like like i like i told like i told you before it felt like i was just meeting him for the first time right because right. i've because i only knew him as the uh, Clean and sober, Uncle Butchie. Well, I know him as the funny Uncle. Oh yeah, fun, yeah, the funny yeah. Because he is definitely funny. You know, I knew that he, you know, that he helped, uh, you know, recovering addicts and things like that. But I didn't know at the time that he was one himself. I had no clue. 
Yeah, you he see me one time I had a wedding and I was rushing over there to, he said, I thought you was one of my girls, the way you was coming. I was like, no, I'm your little cousin. Uh, yeah, we know, we, you know, we heard the stories. <laughs> we, heard the, we heard the stories, but I was too young to, I was too young Yo, to yeah. know a lot of, yeah. you know, a lot of that. Actually, so, you wasn't here during a lot so of that. A lot, exactly. So when he brought it up to me, you know, part of me wasn't all that surprised, but at the same time, it was like, Yo, and really? I mean, your grandma's really close, right? Yeah, yeah. It was. I kind of got my when um they lived down um Chase. Mm -hmm. My mother had just moved in the building. Mm -hmm. Butchie was just moving out, and mommy was really looking forward to Butchie and Karen. Then your grandma got the new building, so my mother ended up there by herself because she moved there because of them. Mm. And she ended up by herself. I felt so bad for her. Why? Wait. Why? Why is that? You, she moved. She moved there. She moved of there because they were there. Because you know she was offered different places, and she accepted that one because, of course, her two cousins are there. Mm -hmm. And then when she got there, I think Butchie had went back home, and your grandma got the new building. Okay. So what was it? You know what was it like when she got the new building? Like all what, that. Well, was it like when your grandma? No, your what? grandma got the new building. Oh, okay, yeah, okay. My mom did. Yeah. So, all right. So you spent a good, a good chunk of your, uh, like a, a good chunk of your your life looking after, you know, looking after her. You guys, you guys looked at after each other. Right. Right. Um, what did you like to do in your spare time? Like, what did you do for fun? I sold. You sewed? I sewed. Yeah, I have my own clothing line. It's called the Niger Page Collection by Darlene Maison. Um, I design kunta cloths. Um, it's kunta cloths from Africa are the materials I use. And I make a lot of, they look like um, Muslim garments today, mm -hmm. but um, I do a lot of the headpieces, the purses, the, you know, the kufi thing for the, the, the men, everything. Um, and um, since I've been injured, I could I can't use a machine. Um, they have machines out there, but I'm like an old dog and don't want to learn a new trick. You know, mm -hmm. um, I I still think, you know, because when I got shot, Kyle, I have to be the first one to say I wasn't grateful to be alive. Um, there's still days I'm not grateful to be alive because I. Suffer. I literally suffer with pain, and everybody, everybody says the same thing. Oh, you better be grateful, and it gets to a point where I just roll my eyes and I don't even entertain it anymore because I choose to tell people you don't understand what I go through on a daily. Like I go through literal hell every day just to survive and um it's not fun and then i found out i was having survivor guilt i've never heard of that ever never heard of survivor's guilt and they told me that's what i was going through okay um i've heard you know i've heard of that um Survivor's guilt. Survivor's guilt. Yeah, I've 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 heard of it, but I've never actually gotten into a like a, a, a conversation about it. Right. So the I haven't addressed it yet. I haven't um, 
a doctor in the hospital told me, a psychiatrist came and talked to me because he mm. thought I was sad. And he wanted to know if I needed to come inpatient. And he told, he, he shared that with me. He felt like I was having survivor's guilt. And again, I never heard of it. And, you know, I think about it. And it's really true because I said, like, God, I was, um, I see my kids grow up. She didn't get to see her kids grow up. You know, um, I know Frankie would have given anything to sit in this chair and watch her kids grow up. Where I would give anything not sit in this chair. You know, I'm not suicidal, but I would give anything to go to sleep and never wake up. I mean, I just want to be called home. I just, I ask God to forgive all my sins and just please take me because there's no purpose here for me. There's nothing, everything's been taken away from me. Like, today's my birthday, my 58th birthday, and a lot of people didn't make it to 58. And I laid in my bed literally until 2 o'clock. I was up since 10. And I said, well, I'm going to get a little nap. That never happened. Um, but I found something good on TV. Well, I think it's pretty good. And um, it's Siri. So it gives me something to do. You know? I mean, it's your, it's your birthday. Yeah. You know, and, like nobody's going to vulture if you decide to stay in one day, you know? Right. And, and when Dennis called me, he described his voice. And I'm like, who's this? Because, you know, my phone's all blacked out. Yeah. And he was like, hey, it's your favorite. And I said, oh, cuz, I'm going to spend today with Kyle. And he was like, I know, I know. He's psyched. Yeah. But good. he was not only calling to tell me happy birthday, he was calling to tell me about my godfather. And he was calling to wish me luck for today. And he he loves the idea. Because, you know, Dennis had called me seven years ago. Mm -hmm. I'm at club you know i'm and he always prayed that i came in and i remember kyle the day i remember everything the night i got shot i remember everything you mind taking us through it we could take you to it okay. um we have gone she i was sitting and i never sat on that side of the street ever in my life that's the first time i ever sat on her little stoop by her, um, her gate. This was at your... This was at Frankie's, this was North at Frankie's. Walnut. Because mine's is Gow Street, and Gow Street runs into North Walnut. And I went down there. It was a nice, quiet night. And me and her were talking heart to heart. We, we were having really heart to heart. And I remember Frankie saying to me, Auntie, my hood's been good to me. I love my hood. My hood's been good to me. And when she said it, it didn't mean nothing to me at the time. So we're talking, and her boyfriend was in jail, and she was fooling around with a nice guy, but she wanted me, because they both respected me, they wanted me to know that they're breaking it off and auntie don't look at me a certain way and I'm not that kind of woman. And I did, and I mind my business. And I, I've, I've been a woman with a man gone to prison and they know the consequences. 
of what happens when they go to prison and leave us home alone. Mm -hmm. So um, her son was going to be a year old and we went to Walmart. So we came back and she pulled in the driveway, but she didn't pull all the way. So I ended up sitting in that same spot. And the, it was quiet. It was a quiet night. I'll never forget it. It was such a quiet night. Nobody was coming over there trying to buy drugs. Nobody was just, no, no cars, no people. And all of a sudden, a van and another car came by at Honda. I'll never forget it. But they kind of slowed up, but they kept going. Mm-hmm. And... It was Frankie, Will, Lightbulb. I'm not sure the guy's name. I don't even want to call him a fiend, but I don't know his name. And myself. And the three guys, girls came. So by the time these, the, the van and the car went by, a girl pulled up. Her and two other girls get out. So the three guys chased the girls because... I, why am I going to stay here and talk to Auntie and Frankie? I'm going, you know, try to get some buns, right? And um, me and her ended up there by ourselves. And um, we heard gunshots. But I'm sitting, so she's in my periphery. Mm-hmm. I can't see. And she turned around. And she turned back around like nothing. Like nothing. But once she got all the way facing me, her head bobbed. And her last words was, Auntie, I'm hit. And I knew she was hit, Kyle, because I seen her head bob. And I seen her eyes get black. And I went, my, I went into shock because her eyes got big, like a scary movie, like something right out of a movie. So she was... Dead on her feet before she hit the ground. Hold on. So she was... She was, at one point, turning turn the other way around. She was facing me. She was facing you. But when we heard the gunshot, she turned. She had to see them. Because once she turned back towards me, her head bobbed. Because she got hit in the back of the head. And she fell. And so... I got hit. That was the 12th bullet. I got hit with the 13th because there was only 13 13 bullets. So you two got hit with stray bullets. Yes. Those you bullets. had nothing to do with what was going on. It was just it was just straight stray gunfire. Two weeks before that, a young man named the Jesus out of the 960 gang members got shot coming out of the Renaissance through the Catherine Avenue. Okay. And I, listen, the last time I heard of gangs, cuz, was Crips, Bloods, Latin Kings. And I've never heard of the 960s ATM, ATM and the AV. I never heard of such. And I'm going to tell you something. Since I've been shot, I've been really looking to, into gang members' activities and reasons and whys. And... It's always a little girl. She dates somebody from this um, gang. Mm -hmm. And then he disrespects her. And she goes to this gang. But she throws poison. Mm -hmm. 
And now he's mad, so he wants to go over there and get him because actually he had her first. It, it's just a big dumb thing, but it's always, it's not territorial, it's not about money, it's not about nothing but a little lion tail fast girl that are getting people killed. You know, it's, it seems more like it's it seems more like history repeating itself because yes. wars have started over women. Yes, you know what I'm saying. Like, and, and it's so. sad because once she fell, mm-hmm. I thought I got hit with a rock because I bled in. Uh, oh, I didn't bleed out. I seen the feathers in my jacket, and my body have flu. So legs here, legs here. But I don't realize that, you know, mm-hmm. the, the impact alone. Like, I, I just thought I got, because I kept feeling for blood. I remember doing like this, lifting my shirt, because I have the bullet hole right here. And it's a nine millimeter. I don't know if you can see it. Yeah. It's a nine millimeter. And um, the sad part is two of them kids belonged to my cousin who was also paraplegic and got his legs cut off on my mom's side. His two nephews. Um one of them, the leader is my nephew was my nephew's best friend and I told my nephew he didn't come for me. He didn't come to do this to me. So if you choose to remain his friend, it's okay, because all I want to do is give all nine of them a hug, Kyle. I want to give these kids a hug. These kids never stood a chance. They never stood a chance. Their parents were prostitutes, fathers, pimps, drug They came from environments that you and I did not come from. You understand? Yeah. And... They weren't given a fair shot. And then the last one was a best friend of mine's son. He was involved in this too. <coughs> so it hurts because these kids did not come to do this to us. And they, after they did this to us, Kyle, you know where they went? Hey, everyone. Hope you're enjoying today's they episode. Went to if you would like to Southern tell your story on a future episode of A for Able, feel free to reach out. You can email me at kyleeric3233 at gmail.com. And don't forget to check out our blog at aforable.wordpress.com. Thank you for listening. And now back to today's discussion. So you took us through the sh- you know, what happened during the shooting. You said that you were wearing a jacket. And it went, my like, feathers. It went in, it through your, you know, like through your jacket, and you were bleeding internally. You didn't, you didn't bleed I out. Didn't bleed out. At this point, you had already um, seen your your uh, niece. What was it? Your niece. I called her my niece. She's your my niece, friend. Your best friend. She just, you just saw your best friend. Um, laying in a puddle of her own blood. Laying in a puddle of her own blood. She, she's. Um, she told you she was hit, and that was the last thing she she had said to you. That was the last thing you heard. Yes. And after that, um, I everything once she fell, I seen four guys walking down the street. Um, I couldn't tell the, what their nationalities. I couldn't tell 
But even after I got hit with the rock, I thought, um, they were still coming. And they were coming up on us because they would have killed me if they got up on me. Mm. Only Lisa, they had the lights out because I told you it was quiet night. Mm. And the girl Lisa that lived upstairs from Frankie started screaming. Mm. And that made the guys run away. So nine months later, well, let, let me take you back. At the, police, at the mm. hospital, they're coming to question me. And they're asking me stuff like, did you guys rob drug dealers? Did you? They're trying to find a reason for you guys being involved. And I said, officer, listen, I am a 53-year-old woman. I have a seven-month-old grandbaby that I babysit from seven at night to seven in the morning. And she happens to be home right now with my nephew. And let me tell you something. Puerto Ricans, I'm not too trustworthy. They stick together. You know, Kyle? That's how I felt. They stuck together where my own people didn't stick together like them. So I wasn't coming in that neighborhood doing nothing wrong. I was minding my business because that's the easiest thing in the world to do. And that's what I did. I got close with a few of them. I love them kids. Them kids still come and see me today. But I'm here to tell you, I don't pry. I don't meddle. I don't get involved with nobody's mess. So, I said that to say this. I told them cops, you figure it out. I don't, because I didn't do anything. I didn't do anything to anybody. And they always thought I was an innocent bystander. They always thought I was, not her, I was. Because she sold drugs and she was messing with a guy and her boyfriend found out and they thought maybe. So because she had a history. History that I didn't have. Your they, history was different. My history, cut and dry. Like we, we like. You know, I, like I've only been downtown you, for beating up a chick. Right, like you've, I, I <laughs> <laughs> I've heard I've heard some stuff. I heard you used to cut up, you know, but you know You mess with one of my cousins. Like I, I Let Julie you, tell me somebody was messing with her. Where yeah, I heard that you had no problem, you know, you had None. no problem throwing hands. And, None. You know. Because let me tell you something. I have beautiful cousins. Mm -hmm. I have beautiful drop dead gorgeous cousins. And mm -hmm. you don't like her because she's pretty. How about I beat you up because you're ugly? Huh? How about I just beat you up? Hold up. Wait. You don't like Julie because she's pretty. You remember Julie caught that little thing, that little segment with uh, Run DMC? Yeah. My cousin was hated. She was hated because she was on Crush Groove? She was hated. And guess what? What? Every time somebody has something smart to say, they caught an ass whooping. Sorry, 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 camera. But I had to you get can cut, You can cuss up here. I'm not, I'm I had to check him. That's my little cousin. To me, Terry's my little cousin. Dawn's my little cousin. Jeff's my little cousin. Because, see, I've been places they haven't gone in my addiction. You, you understand? Yeah. And those are mine. And you think you're going to, because you don't like how they look, look, or you're jealous because, Julie, look at, Julie doesn't look a day 
over 30. Our family age is pretty well. I mean, I don't crack. Like, like seriously. Like, okay, so you understand what I'm saying? I know exactly what you said. Okay, so guess what? You're not going to blame her for what God's done for her. You can't take her blessings away from her. So how about I beat you up? Because if you're going to be that ignorant to do that to my cousin, how about I be that ignorant to do this to you? And I beat you up and I keep pushing. And Julian and he's like, I don't believe you just beat her up. And we roller skate around, roller skate around. And I said the next time. And Julie would tell me, anytime somebody bother her, Terry too. All of them. Diane, listen, the whole crew, because I'm coming for my family. I'm coming for my family and my best friend. Hands off. Now, we're back. Okay, so let's go back to the let's go back to the cops asking for your testimonial. Did they know about? Because you had, had said no it, clue. They, had, they thought they said the streets were saying we robbed big time drug dealers. They said the streets were saying her boyfriend put a hit out on her because she was messing around on him. They said the street says that they wanted her to stop selling drugs out here because she was making more money than everybody else. So I said, listen, I have no idea what you're talking about. All I can tell you is I can't account for nothing she did, but I didn't do anything. And they knew that. And Officer Knapp told me just the other day when she gave me a big hug and a kiss, she said, darling, I always knew you guys were innocent and you didn't do anything. So they got the gang task force involved. And I'm grateful for them, Kyle. I'm grateful for them because they figured it out. What happened? And those guys, after they shot us down like dogs, they went to Southerton in McDonald's in Southerton had money, guns, drugs, all over the hoods of the car and the van. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Oh, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, because there's a movie going on in my head. Um, <laughs> hold on. Did you say McDonald's in Southerton? Yes. They, after they shot us, they left. Jumped down the highway, did the whole block, rode by and seen that we were shot down. She's laid there and jumped on the highway and went to Southerton. Because they were like, the block is hot. We got to get the heck out of here. Celebrated. Oh, they celebrated. Until they found out it was. Because remember now, when they rode by, there was five of us. And they're looking for a light-skinned Puerto Rican with mustache and beard. And there were two of them there at the time. But by the time they parked, the girls pulled up and they were chasing the girls' tails. And um, it was just her and I. And her and I got hit. So when I find out, when they find out it was two women, they yep. felt really terrible. Everybody went into Woosah because they didn't come for women and they shot women. They killed the mom. Her son was going to be one years old in three weeks. And they just kept it pushing for nine months. So they felt bad because they. For what they, they say. 
from what they say, they felt bad because they ended up shooting women when they didn't intend to shoot any women. No, they came from men. Now, your homegirl is the only one out of the two of you that had a connect that had some sort of connection to what was going on? Or what, what was no. happening? It was just random? It was random because remember now, two weeks before that, the, the Jesus boy got killed on Catherine Avenue. Right. So the only thing that she had going for her at the time was she, she was just as innocent as, as I am. you. She caught a straight bullet like I did. She died for nothing. She did nothing. She her knew nothing. history with the streets had nothing to do with that nothing. night. Okay. Nothing. And I remember, now let's go back to Auntie, my husband, good to me. I remember looking down at her and saying, Damn your hood. Your hood, your hood ain't shit. <laughs> you know, your hood just killed you. I remember saying that. I remember screaming at her because you just told me your hood's been good to you. No, it hasn't. Your hood took you out. Your hood took you out. So your hood to me is nothing. Your hood to me means nothing, Kyle. Because it didn't mean anything when she said it. But it started to have meaning when I thought about it. Her hood took her out. Ten minutes after she gave her hood props. So, my cousin ran down the street. I remember giving her my glasses. I don't know why I don't. I need my glasses. I can't hear what I'm like. <laughs> why did you give somebody your glasses? <laughs> I took them off my face too, guys. I gave him my glasses and my my house keys, and I told him to give it to my aunt. And he went and woke up my aunt because our grandmothers are sisters. Yeah. Um, his mother, my aunt, first cousins, and I go ring her bell, let her know I got shot. So my aunt and my cousin were the first ones that knew I got shot, and my aunt called. Found everybody's number and she called to tell them I'd just been shot. I'm at St. Mary's Hospital. But it was, I'm out. I'm under. I don't know what's going on. Because soon as they got there, you know, they put the mask on my face mm -hmm. and grabbed my leg from way back here. That's how I knew my leg was way back here. Mm. Because my spine just, it hit the 11 Keely. And had it hit the 9th, I would be paralyzed from the neck down. Mm. So God is good. God is good. Because oh, he didn't let me suffer those to that extreme. But do I suffer because? Absolutely. So what was the recovery like? What was your what was your road to recovery like knowing that you were going to um well I, maybe I should maybe I should start here. Once you found out the severity of your condition, what was that like for you? I was real gung ho. I was gonna walk again. I'm getting out this chair. I'm not sitting in this chair. I could do it. Only I couldn't do it. And my, I believe, still today after four years, if it wasn't for my medical, my physical could have got right. I can't do my physical because of my medical. My physical 
my medical always interfered with my physical. And had it not, I'd probably be walking. What's the problem with your medical? A superpubic tube that a nurse accidentally blew up. And yeah, I have so many lawsuits. But you know what, Kyle? I'm not trying to go through that. I'm just trying to get better. I, I, I don't have time to try to get nobody pockets, try to get rich, because this is me. This is my body. This is God. When it comes to God, money is evil to me. You understand? Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't put money before God. I keep putting him first. Because see, maybe one day I will walk. And if I don't, I'm going to walk when I get <laughs> I tell him, did Then it's like, cuz what you going to do when you get to heaven? I said, I'm going to dance like David did. <laughs> he said, you know. Then it said, you know, they got cops up there. I said, I don't care. I'm a dead butt naked just like David. <laughs> okay. Seems like there's a story there, but I don't think I'm going to go down there. Um, then it said, cuz, you ain't going to have on no clothes. I said, boy, did I tell you? Hey, be cracking up. I said, I'm a dance like David. Listen, let me tell you. Oh, please let me tell you this. I don't want to share no, with you. No, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Dennis came to see me. When I went to Millennium Manor, and I didn't have my clothes, so they gave me some blue pants with white, like Hawaiian, <laughs> some ugly ass flowers. Yeah. yeah. So Dennis came in with a ugly Hawaiian shirt on and says, God, I wore this just for you. <laughs> And then he's like, oh, shucks, you wore the pants for me. Dennis is hilarious. He knows how to pick up people's spirits. He knows how to pick up people's spirits. I was asleep one day, and I heard click, 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 click. I said, boy, if you don't get up my room with them high heels on, I have so much fun with Dennis. Oh, man. And Dennis is your young, and, 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 and Dennis, to me, is my, old, is my older cousin. To you... Your little cousin. My little cousin. Right. And you have so many stories. So I wanna number I wanna number one ask how you're doing current you know, how you're doing currently. (coughs) I'm struggling. I'm in a struggle for my life. I got a call tomorrow. I gotta get a new girl in here because now this girl saw me. She thinks she has COVID. She's just lazy and they want the job as long as they can do this, Kyle. Well, I it it seems like to me, cause cause when we met, when when we met, it was still very recent after the accident right, happened. So a lot a of year. stuff. Yes. So so it it was like we you know we started talk we started talking immediately once we found out our family connection, and um, I know that because because I think I had just started this show. I had just I had just started this. Well, show. you were t- actually telling me and, about it. Yeah, and I brought and I had brought it up to you, and I knew that that the timing wasn't the timing wasn't right because mm-hmm. it was to the point where every time you know like back and forth to the hospital, back and, you know back and forth. I remember I remember co- going up to your place, and you had had to get the fire department to come get you out of bed and 
now I'm like, because I had never, because I had never seen this before. The closest I ever gotten was I got to ride in an ambulance truck in my last, my last surgery as they're putting my, you know, my, like my, my hospital beds in, in the, in my living room and all the, you know, and all this stuff when I was, you know, when I was a kid, that's the closest I ever got to what you went through. So when I saw that the fire department, some of them who knew you by name. Yeah, Darlene, get up. Because it wasn't the first time they had been there, right? So I, so I'm, so I'm I seeing became them. my friends. I'm seeing you getting, you know, getting taken out of bed gently by, you know, by these firemen. Shout out, you know, shout out to the Waterbury firemen out here. And then I, you know, I let my dad know as it's happening, like in real time. It's like, well, the, am you know, I'm like, not the ambulance, the fire department's here. This is what happened. It's like, why did that just happen? Well, because she wasn't feeling well and she couldn't get out of bed. What is it that, she, wh why is it that you have to rely on the fire, on the fire department for that at that moment? My, when I first got shot, I was paralyzed from my belly button down. Oh. I regained that. Ah, oh, good. But when I'm having a bad day. Yeah. It's so numb. It's like it's paralyzed all over again. And I can't maneuver my body. I'm so used to maneuvering my body from, because I'm like a barber down to take off my legs, everything else works. Yeah. But if I'm stiff with that little misarrain or pouring rain, I, I can't move, Kyle. I can't move. And when, because I'm so stiff, when I go to move, I feel every bit of that bullet on my spinal cord because the bullet is leaning against my spinal cord and that's why they can't take it out that's why they can't because i can um be paralyzed from the neck though it's too much too much risk and that's not worth it because i'm not guaranteed to walk right but i am here i am guaranteed to come out paralyzed 50 cent chance to regain it back and 50 cents chance to never get so why would i juggle like that i have the use of my arms i can wash my hair brush my wash my face brush my teeth wash my upper body i'm not gonna give that up god left me that he left that for me and i'm not gonna give it up you understand yeah and yeah, trust me i, I know I, I i'm reading a book right now when jesus weeps Mm -hmm. And it's about paraplegics, quadriplegics. And let me tell you something. You got people paralyzed from here down. Yeah. They can move their arms still. Yeah. But when you get into the upper body, mm -hmm. it's awful to move. Awful to move when you can't move it. And I should, I have... 70 hours a week now, 10 hours a day. I started out at 63 hours. I got a few more hours added on. But let me tell you something, Kyle. This system with these people taking care of us is awful. Yeah, I know. Um, the, well, the American med medical system is not, the healthcare system is... Is we know it's not we know it's not the best. They they run they run hospitals more like businesses than anything else. They're not trained in 
they're not they're not trained in bed in bedside manner and sensitive care like you know like that. They're only tr they're only trained medically, and it's sad. It's because we suffer. It's a very and when it comes to and still to this day, when it comes to the you know, when it comes to black patients, we're still we're still treated as if we can take more pain than anybody else just because. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I was just reminded of that uh, not you know not too long ago, and um, a, a friend that I met in the podcast space, she had talked about when she had lost her her first child. She had lost her first child, and nobody came to talk to her. The the physician she was she was with had to go from bed you know went from assignment to you know assignment to assignment and they left her alone shortly after losing her after losing her kid after complications of pregnancy and i bet if cuz now we talk about sensitivity training um, when it comes to you know when it comes to regular jobs say somebody says something out of pocket somebody says something sexist racist or anything like that and they you know they didn't see it as a problem now everybody's got to go through sensitivity training mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know I'm thinking you know I'm, I'm thinking if we had I mean doctors go to medical school for like what eight years mm -hmm. like you're in you're you're in college for four years you're in you're in medical school for another four for another four years right if you're in, if you're a specialist it might take longer mm -hmm. by the time you get out of medical school you're well into your 30s right you think during that time they'd know how to I don't know talk to patients my daughter is a psychiatrist she has two master's degree and she is the most insensitive person I know really Yes. I mean the most insensitive person I know. And I look at her and she's like, Mom, why are you looking at me? I said, I just think you're beautiful because I don't want to get into altercation. She knows why I'm looking at her. She knows exactly why. But I don't need to remind you because the look reminds you. And we don't need to get, I said it once, I never need to say it again. You heard me the first time. And she's just insensitive. And I just look at her. And I just, I just look at her. And she's like, well, dar, nothing right, nothing at all. I can't look at you, you're my child. But she knows in her heart of hearts. She is wicked, and you are what grandma created. You are a product of your grandmother, because you're not a product of me. I, because I'm loving, caring, sensitive. You are none of those, you know. She met her sister for the first time, her father's daughter, for the first time her sister found her. Her sister was looking for her for 25 years. Her sister finally found her, uh, and I'm so sorry. I, I told Joy I was sorry. When I left, I left because of all the adults. I didn't leave because of you. I didn't even think of you, and I'm sorry. I'm sorry because you should have been the main person I thought about as much as you loved your little sister, and I didn't think about her at all. And she found her sister, and... um. Through the grace of God, she got to see her grandma, but she missed her grandfather who loved her, who loved her dearly.
and told me to give her that last name because she was definitely his. She had a patch of hair on her back that is a family trait. And he told me to give her that last name because me and her father were not doing good and he tried to say she wasn't his. And she's 99.9 his. And I said, um, I, I just, I'm grateful that she got to see her grandma. And she went down south to her grandma's funeral. She met her dad. And I, I think a lot of that, I take fault for some of that. Because I involve myself with such a person. But I'm grateful that my daughter's overcome all that. None of those were her issues because I thought she would all live with the fact, oh, she's only, out of 10 grandchildren, she's the only one who don't have a father. My brother fathered her to the end. You hear me? And she's like, mine, that Uncle Pete was always my father. And I'm grateful to my big brother. You hear me? I'm grateful to my brother because my daughter didn't lack a father. My brother was awesome father for my daughter. You know, he happened to be buying a truck a couple of weeks ago. And you want to know what's cute? She had just totally lost her car. Mm. And he was like, what? Girl, you better come out here and see some of these cars. I'll put some money down for you. <laughs> and it, it, it's a nice thing. It's a really nice thing. Now, he was the biggest of all of us. He used to tell us all what to do. I'm sure he takes your father though, off the block many a time. Hmm. So, so you talked about the people that you were involved with, and I'm man. Sorry to hear you know. Sorry to hear that. Um, yeah, but okay. So you had said earlier that you had an issue with addiction. Yes. You mind talking about that? Not at all. Okay. So what was it exactly that you were addicted to? I started smoking reefer at 12 years old. My so-called boyfriend forced me. Forced? Forced. I remember having a bloody nose and everything. Smoke it, smoke it. It's not going to hurt you. It's not going to hurt you. Smoke it, smoke it. And I was smoking it. I didn't like it. I remember I never really liked weed. Then as I 16, 17, now this was 12. So from 12 to about 17, 18, I was introduced to sniff cocaine. And um, Black Molly's, we used to buy them two for $5 at Skate Odyssey. And we opened up the capsule and sniffed the powder. We didn't pop them, we sniffed it. And I was high all night. I remember we used to go skate 7 to 7, and I'd be high all night. It's just like a cocaine high. So, of course, when we came find the Black Mollies, we go to cocaine. And I was New Year's Eve of 87 was the first time I tried crack cocaine. So, hold on. So basically, you've just tried two different versions of cocaine. You tried, you, you tried the powder, and then, you, and, then you tr and then you tried crack. Right. 
And so. I fell in love with crack from the day I hit it. I fell in love. It took all my problems away, so I thought. <laughs> so I thought cocaine is cunning and baffling. You hear me? But I felt numb to life. I, I didn't have children. I had a good job. I had like $38,000 in the bank. I, all I did was save money, make money, and go to work 10 hours a day, come home, spend my money on people to be accepted. My neighbor didn't have a dime. She worked. She she didn't work. She waited on the first and the sixteenth because that's some girls who was getting money from the state back then. Mm -hmm. And every day she was sick on heroin, and I would buy her a couple of bags that cost me like twenty dollars, so I get fifty dollars. And I buy. I mean, I'm spending fifty dollars like a day for her, like because I didn't want to see my friend sick. And this was a friend that turned me on to this stuff and what kind of friend was she really now that you look at it you know what i'm saying misery loves company yeah and misery um, loves company she's deceased now and i hope she's asked for forgiveness but yeah she was no friend of mine the way i look at it now she was definitely no friend of mine and i don't think she intentionally did it I, I really don't know, Kyle. All I do know mm -hmm. is it ruined my life. It ruined my life. It ruined my life. And the only one that ever stuck by me was my sister, Lori. Everybody turned their back on me. Everybody turned their back on me. And I didn't even steal from nobody or go to their house or do wrong, but everybody just turned their back on me. Oh, my God. You know, Cape Verdes can be very funny people, right? Yeah. Well, I'm a victim of that, too. It was what it was. Do you consider yourself a different person? Now? Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm stronger. Most definitely stronger. Um, a lot of days I feel weak, but I know I'm strong. I'm wiser for sure. And I've been drinking beer since I was like <laughs> knee high to a grasshopper because my dad used to give it to us, little Miller nips. And I, I just like beer. And I said, okay, nope, no, because my niece and them called, you want me to bring you a bottle? You want me to bring you a bottle? No. I'm going to go spend some time with my little cousin Kyle, and I'm going to buy me one little beer, and that's that. Okay. And then I'll go upstairs, I'll get washed up, and I'll get back in my bed. It seems like a lot of stuff happened when you were young. Like, I was molested from ten, from seven to ten. Mm -hmm. I was molested. Um, horrible, horrible, horrible. None of them ever penetrated me, though, Kyle, because they knew. But they touched you. Yes, and had me touch them, and they stole my childhood. 
They stole my childhood from me. Seven years old? Like, what? Like, no. This isn't what seven years old are supposed to be involved with. Mm-mm. And one of them wasn't remorseful. He told me I looked up at him with my big brown eyes and he was in love with me. And if I had a gun, I would have killed him right there. And then I, there was three brothers and neither one of them knew the other one was doing it. So it something that had to have happened to them, you know what I mean? And it's a sickness, but I made it my business that that sickness stop at me. I can imagine touching a kid. I can imagine Mm-mm. violating a little human being for my own sexual lust. And I'm thank God I'm not sick like that. You know, because they could have turned me into a monster, the same monster that they were. And I didn't, I refused. I didn't let them win. I did not let them win. Like, I refuse, Kyle, for these kids to win. I refuse for these boys to win. Kyle, they can't win, honey. They didn't. They can't. They didn't. You didn't. You didn't go down. You didn't go down that road, and you're still. And you're still here to talk about it today. They won't win. You know. And I. I can't wait. I really can't wait. You know the feds are put. You know the feds picked it up, and my charge, um, first degree assault, went to attempted murder. Ooh. Wait, 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 wait. You're talking about you talking, talking about the gun charge? The boys. Yeah. Their charge on me was first degree assault through the state. They tried to charge you? No, them. Oh, okay. First degree assault. Okay, I was about to say, I, I thought they turned it around. The way you were describing, the no, way you, were, the no, way you just they, said that. It, they charged them first degree assault through the state. But once the feds picked it up, they charged them with Attempted murder. Attempted murder. And that's a bigger charge. Mm-hmm. And I just want to look at each one of them in their face. I want justice and this corona is stopping everything. But I just want to let them know gangs are where cowards go to hide. Take that to jail with you for the rest of your life. I mean, it's, a, it's also a psychological thing because... Gangs, from what I understand, from what I understand about about culture, like human beings are social creatures, right? We're social creatures. We are always looking for people like us. Like in your case, you said you started with the drug, with the drugs and the drinking because you were having fun. You were trying to fit in with people. That's why most people do it. At least from my from my understanding. You know, like I've asked people. It's social. Yeah, it, it's all about being social. Like I've asked people who smoke. Like a lot of people in my in my life, they smoke. I don't. You know what I'm saying? The thing, I, and the only thing I do with you know with weed is occasionally I'll do an edible. It does wonders for my for my hips. You know it does it? It really it really helps the pain. It really helps the pain in my hips. Only thing is, you know, I you know, I have either uncontrollable laughter, <laughs> or, or. 
I get silly too. Everything's funny to me. Or my legs go completely numb. Like this, like this one, this one time, this one time. <laughs> Poor thing. My, my, I was, I was with, I was with my best friends, right? I was with my best friends at the, you know, at, um, and we were going down. We were going to another, another one of my, another one of our boys' houses, right? And before that, we had taken, we had, we had eaten a, a cookie. Right, we had like a little bit of a cookie, right? <laughs> and we knew exactly what was in it, but we didn't know exactly how much, right? And plus, up until this point, up until that point, I had only done, I had only microdosed an edible one other time because I was very, let's put it this way, my anxiety was all the way up here. Since you know, since the the pandemic, my anxiety had gone from here. Mm -hmm. to here mm -hmm. and then one day this was during this was right before right before the election right it was right before the election somebody had shared a meme online and it said if one wins we're effed if the other side wins we're effed can we just pass a blunt around and chill out right and I just joked and I said can mine come in the form of a brownie right right <laughs> And then one of my like one of my friends was like, "Yo, I got you." I'm like, "I'm like, thank you." I wasn't exactly being serious, or maybe I was. I don't know. And the next thing you know, I get a text from a buddy who was, you know, who had already, you know, made edibles and stuff. So he's like, "Man, I'll hook you up with a cheesecake. Here's exactly what's in it." Mm -hmm. Right? Gives me a prescription. Tells me exactly how much is in it. How, what it's supposed to do. A all cheesecake. The, all that stuff. Cheesecake. Yeah. Gives me a slice of cheesecake. And because I know what's in it, and I'm a sweets guy. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You can't you can't put sweets in front of my in, in front of me and expect me not to eat the whole thing. But this time, because I knew what was in it, because it wasn't a normal cheesecake, I'm having like a small piece. Right. Like right. Fast forward to the cookie thing. <laughs> right. Fast forward to the cookie thing, and I had. Had the cook now. This is the type you get from a dispensary, right? I had eaten the the uh, I had eaten the piece, and the two hours later, everything just starts to like time just slows down. Next thing you know, I'm barely move. I'm like I'm barely moving, right? And our homeboy is 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 looking at our other friend like, yo, why didn't you tell him what was you know how much was in it? I have never seen him like this. Da da da. I was like, I'm just tired. That's it. They were freaking out because I'm in front of, you know, because I'm in, you know, because, you know, I'm in front of my nephews, you know, and they're noticing that Uncle Kyle's feeling a little woozy, right? Next, you know, next day, it was like, are you okay? Are you all right? Please don't do that again. Please don't do that again in front of the kids. And it was just a small little cookie. Had no idea what was in it. I only took a piece, right? But that's the closest, that's the closest I've done to any thing outside of say prescription stuff that they used to give me for for pain mm -hmm. right like after my last surgery it they gave me um they gave me valium mm -hmm. and oxycontin mm -hmm. right and somebody made a joke like it was, it was either one of my aunts or one of my friends that made a joke it's like yo you just, do you know how much this would go for on the streets mm -hmm. i'm like don't because <laughs> i already was high in front of a in front of one of my uh in front of my my uh, uh, my physical therapist. That's ni that's a nice way to meet somebody. It's a yeah. it's a Sunday afternoon. They're trying to tell you their name, and you just finished 
popping oh. something. <laughs> and it was just, and it was prescribed stuff, right? But I was like, dang it, now I can't ever say I've never been high. And now, you know, in, as a, now as a 30-something-year-old, I've, I've done edibles three times in my life. But that's the only thing I've ever done. Okay. Growing up, I was, you know, we, we grew up in the just say no era. Right, like, right, right. The just say no, all drugs are bad, blah, blah, blah. Right, right. right. Even though people knew that weed was medicine compared to everything else. Everything else. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, I, uh, I, was, I was wondering. Simple plant. I, exactly. Simple plant. Simple, simple plant has a lot of health benefits. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? But we know that now, you know? But it's, 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 it's just, you know, it's just funny when you, well, not funny, because in your case, you said you were forced to smoke it at 12. Mm -hmm. And they, and, and then as you got older, you moved on to other things. Yes. You, Some people might look at- We used to say we graduated. Right. Some people might look at that exactly like you did and say like, oh, that was the gateway. But I think what it, I think what it was, was it was the people that you were around. Exactly. And a boyfriend you, I had. And you wanted to be social. You were 12 years I old. I to fit in. Every other time you've done something, it was around other people that were doing it. Right. And you just wanted, and you just wanted to fit in. That's I, not the best excuse, but it's understandable given the fact that we are so, that we are social creatures. Some I don't drink, right? And the reason why I don't drink is because I've been around people who do. And thankfully, like thankfully, every house party I've been to, everybody gave them their keys. They're like, "You drinking? You staying until you sober up." Right, right. They right. were responsible enough. To to you know, awesome. to say like you know you're drinking and, you're not leaving here nah you are not you are not leaving here and this was before Ubers before any of this stuff right so people would give their keys they would either spend the night or wait till they sobered up okay right so I'm, I'm so I'm I'm thankful for that I've even been around you know our family when they get a little too happy right and I'm like this is all I need. I've been drunk one time, and that was on my 25th birthday. Wow. Yeah, and I am a, I'm a, okay, well, you've known me for a little bit now, mm -hmm. right? And you see, I'm, I'm pretty much, I'm a softy. Mm -hmm. I can admit that, right? Mm -hmm. Now, just turn that up to 12, and that's me drunk. You know, I'm apologizing to everybody, like, oh, my God, they made me drink tequila. I'm so sorry. That's, that's me. Okay. But that's only happened one time. I don't <laughs> But it goes back to everybody wanted to be social. That was it. First time I ever got drunk, people were just buying me shots. It was my birthday. Oh. I had promised I had promised dad that I'd drink with him on my twenty fifth and that's exactly what I did. Wasn't expecting to you know, wasn't expecting to take shots from everyone, you know, from everyone else, but it was a party. You know, I me me and Shy had just had milestone birthdays and it was it was a good it was a good time. Would I do that again without the alcohol? Sure. <laughs> so, we've had a pretty good interview. I I really I I commend you for for you know for coming forward and and well you you came to me, you know we I know we had talked we had talked about it before but you had come to me and and asked me to do this and I. Very much appreciated, cause, cause I feel like now I've I've gotten to know you a bit more, mm -hmm. and I know that someone whoever hears this is going to 
so, somebody is going to un understand what you went through. Somebody is going to understand, and somebody is going to learn from what you've been through. But I have to ask you two more things. Number one, can you share a Darlene and Dennis story? Yeah. Oh, yes. He's not welcome to my birthday party. <clears throat> guess what? He's always there. And guess what he do? He's the only boy. And he comes and sit right here. Bam. Right next to me. Hi, guys. Hi, guys. Watch this. Watch this. You're going to be tickled. I hope he... he yeah, he is. <laughs> Dennis... <laughs> I used to beg my mother, please don't invite him. Please don't invite him to my birthday party. Mommy, please Why don't. Why is that, though? What? Oh, you know, Dennis is. What's a, the story there? De because he, I'm little. I don't understand it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't understand somebody getting my nerve. He has a beautiful son, a beautiful wife. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. I know. His son is way taller than him. Yep. That, 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 he it, said it, he wants him to marry a tall girl. That, was a, that, was a, that, that, that right there was a giveaway, though. You might be out. Yeah. That's yeah. okay. Yep. But, <laughs> yeah, you got, you, got to, you got to give us one of these stories before we head out. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, Dennis, that that was one, and another one. Dennis just just always was able to make my life smooth sailing. Mm. Always, always. <laughs> yeah, he always was there for me. He never turned it back on me either. He always showed me love. In spite of myself, when I couldn't love myself, he loved me. He loved me. He told me so. His mother was my godmother. And I was so special to her. And in reality, I became special to him and his brother, Michael, who passed away. You know... Dennis taught me how to curse. <laughs> what? <laughs> Dennis. Dennis taught you how to curse. Oh, taught boy. Now, me oh how boy. to curse, Kyle. Sorry. I, 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 like, I haven't known you for very long. I thought, you, I thought it would be the other way around, to be honest with you. Nope. No, the bad one is was always the innocent one from the <laughs> believe it or not. Dennis taught me how to cuss. He used to live right down Webb Street. Not Webb, um what Webb Street? Right by where IGA used to be and Dennis used to him and Michael, rest his soul, used to teach me how to cuss. I used to knock on the door and they used to say Oh, God, the stuff they used to say. I can't even repeat it. <laughs> I can imagine. I've heard, I've heard, I've heard oh. stories of Dennis before. You know? <laughs> I only knew, I only knew, I only knew Dennis after. Okay. You know what I'm saying? I, like, like, I remember, Dennis has always been a part, you know, always been a, a part of my life. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. But I knew him after. I heard, I heard stories 
of him before. Okay. You know what I'm saying? So. Okay. So that it's so that that shocked me just a little bit, just a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Dennis is a pal. Yeah. Yeah, but you guys, you guys talk on a regular, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Even before I got shot, this is a nothing new. This is always. Um, I actually, it was a, it was an honor at my sister's funeral when he says, Darlene is my favorite cousin, and I'm her daughter's godfather, and that meant a lot to me. I'm a little angel that is missing from heaven favorite cousin. You hear me? That tells me who I am, Kyle. You know, I'm his favorite cousin. And he says it all the time. Hey, my favorite. And he still has no reason to tell me a fib. Cheer me up. He tells me all the time you're my favorite. And I believe every, every, every ounce of what he says. I know I'm his favorite. <laughs> uh, you know, it is nice. And you know what? Like when my godmother died, all the little girls were like, oh, I'm her favorite. I, I'm, and Dennis looked Dennis look at me like, I said, now, you know, if I stand up, I'm going to bust their bubbles, right? Because I'm definitely her favorite. I was her first and her favorite. You know, because my godmother was like only 20 years old when she adopted, um, when she baptized me. Uh. And she had Michael. No, no, no. She was a little older. But she had Michael. And she had Dennis. Well, after me. And she's a blessing. She's a blessing. I don't know. I'm going to go upstairs and I'm going to find some frozen vegetables or something, Kyle. I don't want... Meat. Yeah, you got to get yourself something to eat. So, yeah. before, the, before that, one last question. Okay. Just one last question. If, if one day the younger version of you were to come back in time and, add, well, go forward in time, I should say, if you saw your younger version just come up to you and ask you, how did we turn out? What would you say? How did we turn out? How did we turn out? I would tell her the absolute truth. And I would let her know I felt like it was a failure. And I could have done better. And if I could have, I would have. But there were obstacles in my way. I couldn't go to my parents when I was in the last the guys made me feel like they were harm them, harm me. I was lost, I was alone, and I was confused. And I would grab her by her hand, and I would take her down a whole different road. Appreciate. I appreciate you coming here to spend your birthday with me. Thank you. And Thank tell you. your story. Thank you. And you know that I'm sending this out to the family. Like, everybody, everybody's going to hear this. Please. And, I, and I, I appreciate you being honest and truthful. And hopefully, one, you know, hopefully whomever hears this, whether they related to us or not, 
they get something positive out of it because I definitely know that you have done something positive just in this moment us having this conversation and I love all you guys I love all you guys <laughs> yeah shout out to you know shout out to the family thanks again for you know for listening and in the meantime cuz happy birthday thank you